That's the theme for today, though. Man, we don't... Look at my notes. If there's anything in there, that would be good. We don't podcast for a weekend. (laughs) We lose our touch. Uh, We we normally come right out of it. We don't have the touch. It's Wednesday night. Rachel's making dumb jokes, and uh, we're in her apartment, which must mean which must mean it's Starformers night. Welcome to Rebels and Robots, episode twenty-four. I'm Cameron. I'm Rachel. And this is Rebels and Robots, where we talk about uh, every week. We talk about Star Wars and Transformers. Uh, this week we are uh, because last week we talked about the newest live action movie. We thought it would be good to go back and talk about the first live action movie that is Transformers, two thousand seven. Um, for some reason, the lack of the bothers me because mm. the original show was the Transformers and just calling it, I like most people just call it Transformers anyways, but seeing the title just be Transformers. The budget went to the rest of the CGI, so they didn't have <laughs> enough uh, money to pay the marketing team to put the in front uh-huh, of it. Uh-huh. They could only afford so much. But before we get to that, as always, we have news, recent thoughts, anything from last week's episode that we want to update on. Uh, Rachel, do you have any, any anything? I've been meaning to do this for like three weeks, but my mom live texted me when she was watching Mando season three finale. Okay. And so I wanted to read them. Go for it. Uh, so she was also texting me at work, so I didn't really respond <laughs> to a lot of them, um, but they were fun. So she texted me watching episode seven, and I said, finally, you have to let me know what you think. And we have Grogu is currently driving the robot, and then, uh, yes. Yes, yes, which is what Grogu was doing when he was driving it. Very good. Um, and so I know where she is. Uh, this is the part where she gets to where they discovered the Imperials in Mandalore. Um, she said, I wondered where the bad guys were. Trap. And then this, I just thought this part was really funny. Because um, episode seven is when Paz Vizsla dies. And this is the text I get. Dude sacrifices himself. Who are the red guys? And five crying face emojis. <laughs> very relatable because i really liked paz this who season. are the red guys does she does not remember last jedi well i think they're not exact a lash it's all i don't they're also, very similar though. i know but i also don't i think the last time mom correct us in a review <laughs> if i'm wrong um because she listens to our to our podcast um if i'm correct i believe the last time she saw it was when we went and saw it in theaters okay fair enough rachel's mom i don't mean to put you on blast in front of all nine of our eight (laughs) if you're one of them eight other listeners um but uh i just thought we're gonna get a bad review we we appreciate her sending in i mean did she do you my mom has sent me a lot of stuff i don't think did she text you with the intention of you reading it on the podcast yeah, she told me about it. Yeah. Okay. Like, she goes, have you read my text yet? And I said, nice. no, I haven't. Okay, well, we appreciate you being one of the few people who sends us content. So thank you, Rachel's um, mom. <laughs> she actually sent me another thing today. But so when she was on episode episode eight, uh, she said, I think Din Djarin may have decided that the bot is okay now. Uh, Grogu's uh, mech suit. <laughs> uh-huh. IG. 11 um and she's she asked some questions if there is a tracking device on mando and they were watching him in the imperial stronghold or just the heat signs um and she asked uh who who the clones were Mm. and so i said moff gideon um 
I see. Criticizing the stormtrooper's ability to uh, have be accurate shots. Very, you know. Um, and then again, this is uh, <laughs> this is when I am at work. <laughs> So, lots more text messages than I was able to respond to. Um, but she said, "She said, uh, Din Grogu, heart eyes emoji. Who can do great things when motivated to save his dad? Um, I guess even Beskar won't save you from fire." Oh. Um, and then, and, well, it's much more than a fire. It's a huge star destroyer exploding. So I think it's a little more than just fire. This is my favorite still text. Good comment. Oven baked Moff Gideon air fry question mark. <laughs> These um, read like notes we would take. They do. They, do, they like, read like notes. We would except take. for normally you would like we read have our notes and that would give us a full sentence to say. Here we're just reading out her notes. Um, but so yeah, just kind of like more commentary. Um, but that was the gist. I also um, spent the weekend with my mom, and it was Friday night, and we we're eating dinner, and you know we're kind of like, well, what are we gonna do? And I pause and i go well hey have you started andor yet and she said no so uh we watched the first two episodes of andors andor it was a lot of fun and i just really kind of uh i i mean i haven't seen andor since we watched it last fall Mm -hmm. and so rewatching it again i mean like i said it's my favorite so i it's just it just rewatching it was just man this show's so good (laughs) (laughs) Um, very fun what do you got um well so on our Facebook, I posted, uh, we're talking Transformers Rise of the Beast tonight. If you see the movie, let us know your thoughts and questions. Um, and like right after we finished podcasting, uh, a good friend of mine, his name is Shane, commented. So he said, I saw it Monday night and rather enjoyed it. A little surprising considered I really didn't like the first one at all. Bumblebee was a lot of fun and was a little better than this one. So I think he's saying Bumblebee was better than Rise of the Beast. Mm. Um, I don't recall seeing any of the other ones. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Not missing much. So it looks like uh, it's it, with Shane, it goes Bumblebee, Rise of the Beast, a bunch of ones he hasn't seen. <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks for writing in, Shane. Appreciate it. That's funny. Um, I actually have some other news. Go for uh, it. So apparently Andor is filming... Uh, I don't know where, but apparently Andor is filming um, at the same location they used to film some Naboo shots in Phantom Menace. Oh. So, could have some a revisit to Naboo, which we haven't been to since Phantom Menace. No, uh, Attack of the Clones yeah. in live action. It, you and... do briefly see it in, uh, right, in <sighs> Revenge of the Sith. For her, uh, for Padme's and, funeral. Oh, but. and then in the remastered Return of the Jedi, uh, there's yeah. a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but so that, or maybe know. the the filmmakers just want to go to Italy. Yeah, they want to. Um, granted, it's also I think in some Clone Wars episodes, but um, part of the Vader running Vader comic series. Uh, takes place on Naboo because Vader goes to visit Padme's grave. Oh, very spoilers! Nice. I don't know. I don't know how many. It, it's <laughs> been a while. Spoilers! I don't know. Um, for I don't actually know what, which comic it is, but what else you got? Uh, I don't have any news or anything. So if you you can you can go through whatever you've got. Um. So uh, Stephen uh, Capel Jr. 
who uh, I thought I had him written he, down. He directed Rise of the Beasts. Yeah, he confirmed that um, Rise of the Beasts Optimus Prime is designed after Peter Cullen. Oh yeah, yeah which yeah. is cute. Because I thought we covered that. I guess I guess we didn't. Did, did we? Mm. We might have. Mm. It was it was news a few months ago, but yeah, that is a. Uh, I mean. They're all pretty blocky, their faces. I don't know how much you can actually make it look like a person. I don't know, I see it. um, I like the the sentiment, nonetheless. Um, Some video game news for Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars Outlaws, which is the uh, video game that was teased a few weeks back. uh, With trailer, more open world. I think it's also made by... Oh, man, I can't remember who is... Anyways, um, well, it's going to feature a wanted level. Sorry, what is going to... Star Wars Outlaws. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the number of Imperial forces after you will increase based on your actions, similar to GTA. And one of the top comments was, um, I hope at one point Vader just shows up. (laughs) 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 Um, And then the other video game news I have is Star Wars Eclipse, which is um, was announced, I believe, last year with Mm -hmm. some, you know, not official gameplay footage is hoping for a 2026 release. Wow, that's a ways away. I know. Dang. Sad. Anything else? That's really all I got for news, okay. I think. Well, cool. Well, then I would love to launch into our discussion of Transformers 2007. Man, you forget what we watched today? Oh, are would you? <laughs> I didn't have anything in particular to mention about that. Do you have something you want to discuss about this I... episode of G1? Uh... So Cameron texted me. I texted Cameron like, "Are we watching something tonight?" Because I knew we were going to talk about t- 2007 movie. And Cameron goes, "We can watch one episode of G1." Um, and so we watched Prime Target, which is like, I think it said episode 34 of season two. And it's just you know, it's just the usual shenanigans, except instead of the Decepticons being the enemy, it's a big game hunter who wants to hunt Autobots. Uh-huh. And I just think. And they they mentioned this in the show. It's really funny that this bounty hunter did more damage to the Autobots in two days than the Decepticons did in two years. It's it's just funny. Good job. <laughs> but it's it's just one of those wacky episodes that you just gotta watch. It's pretty good. Pretty good. And what was the name of the episode again? Prime Target. Prime Target. Um, which is a pun i am now realizing oh man <laughs> i didn't even you would think if i heard that title and related transformers i would just assume it was about optimus if not a different prime yeah. i didn't even think about it till just now um every single one of these insane episodes i just wish they somehow chose some of this stuff the live action movies because i would love to see some of this wacky shenanigans in live action but nonetheless <laughs> um <laughs> Transformers 2007, the first live action Transformers film, as far as I know. Um, I mean, like, I don't, they, I don't think there's another film, but sometimes there may have been like a commercial or a short film mm. or like a like a cinematic for a video game. I doubt it, but it's but I've never heard of anything else. Um, live action, it's related. not live action. It's computer generated. Yeah. The, this is not Lion King 2019. There no, are real some, people I, involved. I saw some poor account on Twitter. I think it was Is Rise of the Beast trailer posted yet. I think they posted like praising one of the kind of like long camera style oh, shots. Oh, I see what you're saying. And, From Rise of the Beast. Yes. And the film bros came out and were like, live action. And it's like, <laughs> obviously, 
it's easier to say live action than to always put CGI. On the flip side, such same bros were also highly, highly. Um, uh, I'm, t- I'm thinking. I'm not like they. They're uh, praising Gravity back in like 2013 <sighs> for its long opening one take even though that was almost entirely cgi other than the actors faces in their suits but so people pick and choose what they uh want to call live action and not live action um some are right some are wrong but nonetheless um this 2007 film uh was my introduction to the transformers um i knew it existed transformers obviously but i don't i couldn't have told you anything about transformers really um but my, me and my younger brother, so 2007, uh, summer 27, summer of 2007, I was 12 years old, and it was the it was the first time I remember going to a movie theater with my younger brother, just the two of us, without a parent, and then we ended, I think I may have explained this in an earlier episode, but it was one of the first DVDs that we had, and so I saw this movie so much as a kid, <laughs> and um, it's been, it was fun to revisit it. Do you remember when you first saw it, Rachel? Yeah, I was at a sleepover with two friends. Okay. With uh, two two girls I was friends with uh, in, gosh, I think I was fifth grade. So I would have been, it was it was by the time it was on DVD. Because um, uh, one of my friends at the time really loved it. And I was like, this movie's going to be dumb. And boy. <laughs> and you're not wrong. Uh, well, yeah, but then it just kind of like, catapulted me into <laughs> enjoying the franchise so yeah it was fun i saw it we saw it at sleepover <laughs> so sorry i'm giggling because i'm reading the wikipedia article about the movie right now so um to give a little context on the production of this film uh looks like they started working on it um in like 2004 that's when steven spielberg signed on to produce it says he's a fan of the comics and toys which is very interesting. Um, and the original draft pitted four Autobots against four Decepticons and actually featured the arc. Uh, oh, and the, and the uh, robots did not talk. <laughs> no, really? Um, the writers felt that even if it would look silly, not having the robots speak would betray the fan base. So they changed it. The first draft had a little had a battle scene in the Grand Canyon. I'd like to see that. That would be pretty it, good. Typically, unused stuff from the concept of an original film normally make it into their sequels. I'm surprised that didn't make it into a sequel. No. Because that, that would that would be a good place for Transformers fight scene, I think. Um, Michael Bay came on in July 2005, but he initially dismissed the film as a, quote, stupid toy movie. <laughs> Nonetheless, he wanted to work with Spielberg and gained a new respect for the concept upon visiting Hasbro. Mm. I think the respect he probably... Uh, gained was uh the numbers of zeros on the check i would guess yeah um he considered the first draft quote too kitty so he increased the military's role in the story the writers sought inspiration from gi joe for the soldier characters being careful not to mix the brands <laughs> i would imagine for copyright reasons <laughs> poorly aged <laughs> Bay based Linux struggled to get to the Pentagon phone line while struggling with an unhelpful operator from a real account he was given by a soldier when working on another film. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so uh, the f- 
The producers said the film only cost $150 million and called it a bargain compared to the other tentpole films that summer, which cost as much as $300 million. I don't know of any movies that came out in 2007 that cost $300 million. That might be before tax credits, um, but... Uh, but according to Kim Masters of NPR, instead of boasting about how much they had spent, the studio did not want to admit the real budget and risk further cost of inflation on other projects. Her Hollywood source said the budget of Transformers had passed $200 million. Um, so I guess what I'm getting at is part of why this movie is what it is, is because these are the kind of people making the movie. Um, but Nonetheless, um, while it is absolutely chaotic, it is also a fascinating movie. And um, I think today, instead of going through the plot, uh, we would rather just kind of like (laughs) go through a few of our favorite things, our least favorite things, and perhaps a few things that confuse us or that we have mixed emotions about. Um, Rachel, would you rather end on favorite things or worst things? Oh, gosh. what What a decision. What do you think? You know, I... I think all the negative stuff about this movie is really obvious, and there's not as much to talk about yeah, there. Yeah, I was talking about the negative but stuff. But, like, I think there are some genuinely good things, or accidentally good things about this movie that I'd rather talk about. Yeah. So let's start with our worst. What, what like, what does mess with you about this movie? What bothers you? I know there's one big one. Save that for the end of your, the worst things. What other things? Oh, shoot. I actually don't know which one you're talking about on my list. What? <laughs> Something about your your robot husband oh, and his his boy. ultimate fate in this movie. Um, I feel like actually kind of rewatching it. I almost really got annoyed with. Um, do we need to make a cut? No, you're fine. Okay. Uh, I almost I almost actually got annoyed with how much screen time Frenzy got in this film. You were annoyed with that. Yeah, Explain. I just. I don't, I don't, I think maybe, I don't, it was just really odd, like, looking at this, I feel like he actually got the most screen time out of all of the Decepticons. I don't think you're wrong about that. He, I have that written down, I don't know where I'd place it, but I guess this is a good time to talk about it. Um, I did not remember how prevalent yeah. he is to this movie. It's He's like there crazy. the whole time. And some things I would say that are really cool about frenzy one he's as far as i can tell the only transformer who's ever practical which makes mm. sense he's small but like there are shots where he is a practical prop and that makes him feel yeah. like he exists more it feels see something i wish was done more frequently is i think one of the gold standards for use of cgi on at least on a big scale is the t-rex and Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. And what works so well about that mm. is cutting back and forth between a Love real Jurassic T-Rex Park. giant puppet. A real T-Rex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> An animatronic T-Rex and a CGI one. And it allows you to like mix them together. And um, by having actual, like the shots that you can, you know, for a fact are a real frenzy, it just makes him feel like he exists and feel like a character. And I think that, that mixes with he he's very annoying and way over the top and doesn't have any dialogue well, much real dialogue but he at least has a personality and he's a fun sub-villain mm-hmm. and what i would also say that i like about his character is that he is small. small i i understand in this 
movie because it's trying to be more realistic why friend why the transformers have to be the size of the vehicle they transform into but as we see in every single episode of the cartoon uh that is not consistent there's not a conservation of mass they are often smaller bigger or they'll transform them into something small so i guess my point is is i wish with transformers it would work better if they didn't have to be the same size because like why it doesn't you don't need that stupid rule that they are the same amount of mass i mean g1 does it all the time (laughs) so my point is the fact that frenzy is approximately the size of a human he gets to interact with humans significantly more and he gets to go into human environments and have more to do and he's the only transformer really who actually properly utilizes the concept of a robot in disguise (laughs) him disguising himself a technology gets him into places it he disguises himself as a boombox and it gets him onto air force one he disguises himself as michaela's phone which is uh what's your actress what's the actress's name uh uh, uh, mm. dang megan fox megan fox thank you for those who don't know that's megan fox's character um he gets into her purse because he disguises himself as the phone so yes while it is unfortunate in the scope of the movie it doesn't do the movie much favors to focus this much on this one character as far as effectiveness mm-hmm. i feel like he's a really effective character he's carrying them all on their carrying the whole faction on his back i really i really like he can't ultimately be the big villain of this movie because he would just get crushed by an actual autobot <laughs> literally speaking but as like a foil for the humans it takes like multiple humans to take him down and mm-hmm. and it is kind of frustrating though that he ends up taking himself out by accident and like <laughs> i think for a really fun character he has a very anticlimactic end mm-hmm and whereas a lot of other characters just come to life, back to life in the sequels, he never returns, as far as I know. Yeah. Should I go through all three of them? Yeah, go for it. So I, my final point is I'm pro-Frenzy, but I can see why you'd be annoyed. <laughs> um, I feel like one of my other least favorite things is uh, Michael Bay's view of women in cinema. <laughs> yes, this is a much maligned element. Um is there a particular scene or a particular element of this movie that embodies that for you? I because I there's not this particular film. Now I we might talk about that movie another time, so I'm not going to talk about that. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, did, I mean, to me, it's got to be Mike. It's got to be uh, Megan Fox's character. Like she, since she's the me- lead female character, she, I mean. When we first see her and she's work like when Bumblebee breaks mm. down, quote unquote, and she's working on it, that's just all eye candy. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that uh, girls that look like Megan Fox can't be mechanics and into cars. My issue is the way that uh, what ultimately ends up happening is they kind of get reduced to. Mm-hmm hot girl that surprises everyone because she likes cars yeah yeah and and my other beef okay everyone you know everyone like loves the ending because of the lincoln park (laughs) the ending the ending scene honestly just i don't know what it is it's always been so weird to me because sam and meg sam and michaela are making out on bumblebee's hood and the other autobots are just there it's just a weird ending for me yeah it's uh 
these movies are very focused on the visual and the concept of what they're trying to do rather than like actually thinking about the implications. Like, does it make sense that all the Autobots are just hanging out in car form while Michaela and Sam make out? No, but no. that's the final image that we want for the movie. We like, we like the sunset. We like having the cars because we are contractually obligated to have them on screen for a certain amount of minutes, probably. And I mean, uh, it's, and, uh, Megan Fox has been pretty open about how much she did not like working with Michael Bay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say it on the podcast because I can't confirm that it's true, but I do have a friend with a connection to the acting world who knows someone who, my friend tells me he knows someone that interviewed with Michael Bay for a movie and it just was not pleasant. Apparently, um, I cannot confirm that as information, um, but that is, I trust my friend and um i i based off everything else i know about him it would seem to be true but um to avoid uh a uh slander lawsuit i cease cannot confirm any of this is true <laughs> you're gonna cease and desist in the twitter inbox yeah that'd be bizarre <laughs> um so my next worst thing um this seems pretty obvious but it really hit me this movie is the lack of characterization for the autobots and the decepticons mm-hmm um, I think it, it kind of goes hand in hand with what we're talking about. Frenzy is, well, Frenzy is a lot of screen time. I think Frenzy ends up being a great villain for the movie. The rest of the Decepticons are barely in the film at all. And when they're on film, they're just monsters. And I read somewhere in the trivia or something that Michael Bay said he this is kind of intentional, um, especially having them talk less because the more mysterious they were, the scarier they would be. I can kind of see that. And I think it does kind of fit into this movie's i i kind of like the structure of this film where most of the transformer action happens in the third act it's kind of like your your jaws your godzilla you save it for the end and i kind of respect that yeah (laughs) but um i can understand that with the septicons it i don't agree with the choice at least in the final result but i can understand that was a choice they made and i respect that with the autobots though there are heroes they get so little screen time and so little chance to be actual characters. And especially after, hey, I'm going to say something that Rez the Bat Beast did well. I like that Optimus Prime has a character arc in Rise of the Beast. It's not the most compelling, but it is something. I think, and not to get too off tangent, but that in comparison, for example, when Bumblebee gets captured mm-hmm. by Sector 7 in 2007, and, you know, the other Autobots are like, hey, can we go find our friend? There's five of us and Optimus says this is what he'd want he's a soldier <laughs> he and which interesting take um versus rise of the beast when bumblebee dies and optimus is pissed day ruined year ruined he like he's mad and he's ready to <laughs> rain down hellfire so i think it's just like you said like this interesting yeah, the difference in the characterization between them. Yes. Um, and and Optimus obviously gets a good amount of screen time and is the most famous character. And Peter Cullen is the original voice actor. He's been playing the character for a long time at this Our point. At, at this point, he's been doing it for 20 years. His Him being in the movie alone gives Optimus Prime personality. 40 years? No, when this movie came out. Oh. It would have been 20 years. Because it came out, the show came out in like, what, 84? Yeah, but he was. P- that's Peter Cullen in the show. 
What I'm saying is, by the time this movie came out, oh, in 2007, yes. he okay. had been playing yes. the character for 40 years. Yes. 20 okay. years. Um, <laughs> I was confused. And so he knew how to play it. the character. Um, and he gives it a lot of personality, regardless of the writing. Um, and But all pretty much most of the other Autobots are, are new voice actors, as far as I know. And they just don't have a lot of screen time. They just like there are heroes, and they just don't have very much personality. They this movie spends so much time. You know, I I kind of gave Rise of the Beast crap for spending too much time on the human characters, but well, here's the issue with this one is there's too many storylines. Whereas I got annoyed with Rise of the Beast because we spent so much time with Noah. This movie doesn't necessarily spend too much time with each individual character, but it has just so many storylines, and we'll talk I about mean, that later. But yeah, um, who who ends up suffering the most from there being too many storylines is the Autobots themselves, which is unfortunately a movie called Transformers. So that that's my um, big worst element of this movie. <laughs> we forgot to say mine. <laughs> no, I'm please oh, go for it. My my worst element and my least favorite is. We make jokes about this all the time. My favorite Autobot is Jazz. He's my boy. He's my best boy. My favorite. Um, and so, I, spoilers for this movie from 2007, I guess. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> go watch a film. Um, so they kill him off. What? It's sad. Whatever. It, you know, it's your fa- when your favorite character dies, it's sad. The downside is that in the films, when... Um, a, like it, Especially in Transformers films, when a character is killed off... It can be years before they show up again mm. in mainstream yeah, uh, yeah. content. So they might like they can show up in the comics and in the books because it's it's but like to show up in another mainstream entertainment like a TV show. Uh huh. Um. It it uh like it can it's just that's annoying to me. I because I mean when we whenever we get to Dark in the Moon, I'll go more in depth in it. Mm-hmm. But it's prevented characters um, from being in other shows because Hasbro's like, well, we don't want it to be confusing. And I think that's what frustrates me is almost like how much pull it has over the rest of the franchise. So you got to take a step back. This is the thing they're worried are going to confuse people with Transformers lore and canon. With people who have stuck with this show... For over 20 years at this point, when this movie came out, Mm -hmm. this is the thing. Not animation errors, not not incredibly complex backstories, not having the ghosts, the spirits of dead Transformers be around, I guess, in the Beast Wars, as far as I'm, I'm aware. There's, like, spirits. None of that's confusing. But having different characters be alive in totally different uh uni- canons that's that's what they're worried uh, okay well, it's, sure it's, hasbro sure it, it, exactly and that's what frustrates me is because okay yes the bayformers huge franchise huge money makers okay if people like transformers are gonna watch the other stuff and so it kind of frustrates me almost frustrates me almost how much sway this has uh-huh. impacting entirely different projects under the same name totally different continuities totally different universes it just bugs me I think the next time Jazz showed up in a show was Cyberverse that came out. Wow. 2018. Dang. Wow. So he's like not in Prime. No. He's not in. Wow. I think he's in the War for Cybertron games. Yeah, because it's prequel. Yeah, but 
he's been in comics for like interesting but, and that's not the only character that's happened to there is another character later in the bayformers films who uh-huh. dies who's supposed to be in transformers prime and after he died they uh-huh. they nixed him wow. they replaced him with an entirely different character and then that character was supposed to be in a later bayformers film that got replaced uh-huh. by another it's super weird so how did jazz become your favorite character i just liked him from this movie, yeah, from just the cartoons? from this movie, I just liked him. Interesting. So I went, I don't know. That was the one I my. So from fifth your grade, first viewing, were you yeah. devastated by his death? Oh my gosh, yes, because that's I was crazy. like, I was like, that's my. They you know they do they do the introduction, and I was like, that one's my favorite. And my friend who'd seen it before, my friend at the time was like, because mm. <laughs> she knew I was coming, and I was very <laughs> upset at the end. And I was like, you knew, and they said, yeah, we knew. <laughs> so, but yes, like from this film. My favorite best boy. Did you have any more negatives you wanted to talk about? Not really. Yeah, I, I mean, like the, the the they're the obvious ones. It's the the sexism is very strong in this movie. Um, but oh, that was something I want to talk about though. So I we kind of skipped over it when you were discussing it earlier. Is um, the screenplay is very confused. Um, and there's, some, there's another element of this movie that is very conflicting that I want to talk about later. But this is another element where, um, dang it, now I'm, I want to call her Miranda, but that's not Michaela. Michaela, uh, the, the the female leader of the movie, is written decently. Um, you know, she is capable. She contributes in the final act. She is not typically. She's no more a damsel in distress than Charlotte Buff's character mm-hmm. is, Sam. They're typically when one of them's in danger, the other one's in equal danger. Mm-hmm. Um, she helps in the third act. Um, she's obviously not the hero of the movie, but she is almost on equal, at least in this one. In later <laughs> later movies, Sam, I, she's only in one more. It feels like she's a bigger part of the franchise, but ultimately after five straight Michael Bay movies, she's only in two of them. Sam becomes pretty much a chosen one in the next film. Mm-hmm. But uh, at least in this one, she feels pretty equal. But... The way the movie is shooting her is yeah. in, it treats her like she's eye candy. Her costuming for a character that's what, supposed to be 17, it's very uncomfortable. So it's very back and forth. And I think, you know, she gets a lot of crap for her acting. And I think she's doing the best she could with the material. I think, oh, like, uh, there have been far, far worse uh, lead female performances from uh characters especially with uh she's pretty young she's a young actress though hmm. do you know how she came to know michael bay do i want to (laughs) probably not but i'm gonna (laughs) say it anyways i shouldn't have asked uh she played a stripper in one of her her, his previous films when Mm. she was like 14 i think i don't think she thinks she was naked in the character in the role but yeah Anyways, um, moving on. <laughs> let's try to say nice things about this movie now. Um, actually, let's do confusing things, like things that make things you have mixed feelings on. Um, well, that'll transfer nicely. So I am very mixed feelings on the. To me, this movie subtextually seems to be commenting on. People in power, people with authority, because uh, it starts off 
well, I guess the first scene isn't great because it's a military conflict. And obviously Michael Bay loves the military. And also that's how this movie is able to have so much military stuff is they show the military in very positive light and they just give them all this stuff. But after that, um, Sam's interaction with the police, the fact that the first Decepticon he fights is a police car. Um, what else? Uh, I I feel like there's more to it. Uh, oh, just the, the how um, Sector Seven comes in and just railroads over everyone and wants to, and is not oh. interested in siding with the Autobots and listening to their story. I mean, barricade is the cop, and then yeah. blackout was a military yeah copter. And yeah, and all of the Decepticons yeah. are all military vehicles. This to me seems to be, and then all the good guys are like scrappy, normal people. The vehicles are, well, they're very shiny and new. They're at least like more ordinary vehicles. This seems to be about like a struggle between normal people and, and people in power. But uh, the movie is obviously obsessed with the military. And it's not, it, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having military guys be good guys, but that, that then conflicts with that. Um, the, uh, the Secretary of Defense is a good guy in this and honestly i think john voight is great in it but like not played by christopher it, walken i guess yeah <laughs> i guess what i'm saying is while it kind of feels like before michael bay came on this movie was potentially a criticism of how power is abused and how the decepticons are more like our police force and our military and the autobots are are the people and then Michael Bay comes in with his military fetish and totally like messes up that subtext. I don't. I do not know that for a matter of fact at all. Um, the writers on these movies um, are famous writers, but not necessarily known for the most subtle of storytelling. Robert Orsi, he wrote. He worked on the Fringe TV show. He worked on uh, the Star Trek TV shows. Clearly, friends with J.J. Uh, Abrams. Um, he worked on. Oof, amazing Spider-Man Two, um, a lot of a lot uh, Cowboys and Aliens. These are not movies that are known for their subtext, um, but it does kind of feel like at some point someone wrote. I mean, maybe it's a total accident, but I guess my point is there's so many storylines, so much going on in this movie. It struggles to be about anything, mm-hmm. but um, because you have Shia LaBeouf's story is ultimately, I would say, what they went with with the Bumblebee movie. It's it's more of a, an E.T., an Iron Giant about a boy and his friend robot. And then you have the military story, which is also, I think, could be captivating, especially like the idea of a military unit in the desert being tracked by one Decepticon. So, on, I love that sequence. I think that's really great. But then that kind of ends, and mm-hmm. they're just military guys that have rounded the ending. And then you've got the hackers in, in the uh, Pentagon is a whole other story. And then you introduce the Sector 7 guys. Like, There's like 25 human characters in this movie. Um, and so none of them, and there's not any like underlying message across all of them. And not that the movie needs it, but when you have this many storylines going on, it's just like, what is this movie even about? And it's, it's too confused to be about nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's not simple enough it's not simple but it's not simple enough to be about nothing but it's too complex that it should be about something so mm-hmm. um that i i'm interested in some all these storylines i think i think any one of these storylines could have made a good movie they just they're all like fighting for space and um, like i said earlier unfortunately the autobots are left out uh do you have anything you have mixed feelings on or, or confused about 
Yeah, mine's a little similar along to like the amount of plot lines that there are and just time in the movie. I think it's, I think it was an interesting choice that we have some of these really interesting characters mm. like the hackers in the Pentagon who are the first, um, I can't remember her name. I think she's Australian. She's like the first one to make the observation that this isn't mm. human. And she's the one that, find, you know, that connects the dots. The uh, char- the actress's name is Rachel Taylor. Her character's name is Maggie Madsen. Yes, Maggie. Um, who, you know, has actually a really pivotal part in um, the film, mm-hmm. <laughs> connecting the dots that these are alien robots. Um, and they just never show up again. These are characters I actually really would have liked to have seen as recurring. Yeah. And instead we get, in the next film, we get Sam's creepy college roommate. Yeah. Oh man, that character's awful. We'll get to that film in uh, a couple weeks, I guess. Yeah. I. You know what? That's an interesting point. I kind of forgot. You know, I think I'm sitting here thinking to the movie's credit, we're talking about its relationship to women. Maggie is not really sexualized, and it is kind of part of her story that she's overcoming. It's because these she men. wears. She's a nerd, and she wears glasses. Yeah. And yeah. so, by society standards, <laughs> Michael uh, Bay's standards. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I love um, her though. I really. I. She just she stole from the Pentagon. <laughs> wow. Uh, what is her last scene in the movie? Is she is, in? She's in the dam. And then they kill Frenzy, and then she's just done. I don't. Yeah, I think they do. I think they do the Morse code SOS to the Navy or the Air Force or whatever. And I think that's the last time we see her. Yeah. I'm guessing she got some nice job afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> And then she's just done for this because sure character makes more sense as an as a reoccurring character mm-hmm. than Sam and Michaela. But huh? I think yeah. the military guys too, especially. I mean, once we get to like if we ever watch more five on this, but I have yeah. But it's at just, least they are actually in the sequels and yeah. re- reoccurring. Yeah. Um, um, I had one more thing that I had mixed feelings on, which is the acting in this movie. Mm. Similar to the number of storylines, for as many storylines and as there are in this movie, there are equally number of different kinds of performances. It's pretty much like every actor read the script and interpreted the tone of the movie differently. Because you've got John Voight giving an incredibly straightforward, very serious, like, kind of uh, government espionage war film performance as the director of defense. Uh, Secretary of Defense, and then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you've got John Turturro, uh, who is my acting MVP for the movie, as the uh, lead agent Simmons from Sector 7, giving a incredibly goofy, over-the-top performance. These two guys are not in different movies. They are in different genres. (laughs) The the branded Sector 7 wife beater (laughs) undershirt. Too funny. Um, And then you have everything in between, um, from serious to comedic. And, you know, you've got... uh, the character Lennox, who's a, our lead military guy, played by Josh, Josh Jamal. Jamal. He's giving a pretty straight performance. And in his own same scenes, you've got guys like Tyrese Gibson just being goofy as heck. Left cheek. <laughs> left cheek. <laughs> left cheek. <laughs> oh, man. And it's just like, and then you've got like the guy who leads up Sector 7. Gives an incredibly straightforward, like, F- uh, FBI sort of like government agent character performance. Duality of man. <laughs> It's just like, you just got so many different, you know, Sam's parents are incredibly goofy, but like Megan Fox is giving a pretty straightforward performance. Like, 
at any given time, I'm just like, it's inc- like this movie is the definition of tonal whiplash. And it's all shot. I don't know. It, it's also hard to get a pin on the movie's visual styles, not telling you what kind of movie it is because no other movie looks like this. Uh, maybe they, maybe they did in the 2000s, but like they're just like oversaturated, too much lens flare. You can barely a see it. Edited a lot of to hell. Rates. <laughs> um, it, you know, at least it's not changing uh, aspect ratios every 10 seconds. But that's for another Transformers also movie. Also, some mildly less uh, product placement. Except for one sequence. Except for the very end. <laughs> um, so here's one thing I'm unsure about. And this is a little more lore-wise. Um, so when they're in the Hoover Dam, we see the cube. It's very large. Uh-huh. That is that is a that is a huge monument. Uh huh. Like I think if that hit Earth, that I feel like that kind of qualifies within some form of extinction level event. Maybe not planet wide, but be pretty rough for the surrounding area if you ask me. But I'm no <laughs> NASA scientist. So when Bumblebee <laughs> touches it, it be- it becomes really small. It becomes almost like a foot by foot, you know, carry almost almost coincidentally carrying prop size uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh. and so later uh bumblebee hands it to sam and i had this mental image of it not actually and sam can carry it without issue and so a cube of this size you would think would probably be thousands of tons of pounds but somehow <laughs> He can carry it. So I'm guessing there's something in the science that it changes mass. Otherwise, it just would have been <laughs> hysterical from Bumblebee to hand the cube to, to Sam. It, he just drops it and it sinks, you know, 10 feet into the ground because it's like <laughs> half a mile cubed. <laughs> Which further supports what I said earlier, these Transformers should be able to transform into any size. I guess, like, once you open up that door, they should be able to turn into any vehicle of any size. Mm. I think within reason, but, like, I'm not going to go into that. We already discussed it. But, like, the fact that the cube can do that, the Transformer should also be able to do it. But, nonetheless, um, moving into to positive things, um, I'm going to start with, well, where the movie starts. Um, like I said earlier, Peter Cullen by this point knows how to be Optimus Prime. In the be- is, wait, is it in the beginning or before uh, uh I'm trying to find a way to watch Before the movie. time began, right? Before time yeah. began there was the, the cube. cube. He <laughs> nails this intro, dude. Oh my gosh. Like Best monologue. It is an incredible opening. Like just because of his performance, I really like say what we will about this movie, but it opens and ends with him do- giving monologues. So the movie opens and ends with We don't ask a lot for of, much. I think it's really good. Like, no matter how you feel about, like, the, I think that's probably, honestly, a very good chance that's why people like this movie, because it opens and ends strong. And, uh, you know, credit where credit's due, man. What uh, what do you like about this film? I So, I think part of my favorite parts of the film is the arrival to Earth sequence. <laughs> <laughs> do you have that one written down? Uh, I don't, but let's get this music loaded up. First, first of all, Steve Jablonski carried these films. What may I mean? What makes this scene is the music, mm-hmm. and I really think it's shot well because you don't actually ever really get a good look at the Autobots until. Keep going. So good. You don't really get a good look at them until they actually arrive 
at Sam and Michaela, and you know they're in their their Earth forms. It's just I think. <laughs> Stop skipping it! You're trying to find like the main part. It's coming up. Um. Yeah. There it is. Which also played in Rise of the Beast for just a, yeah, yeah, a couple yeah, measures. Yeah, But so, um, you know, this scene, it's shot, I think it's shot well because we see the comets coming in and we're like, oh, there's more. And I think part of what's done really well is we see the crash landing, but there are scenes where we see all the other Autobots landing, but we don't see them. You know, they're being in disguise. They are finding their alternate modes. Uh-huh. And we don't see them until they arrive. And I think probably one of the most iconic scenes in the Transformers franchise is when Optimus Prime transforms for the first time. It's pretty darn it's good. It's pretty darn good. It's just, I think that portion of the film is my favorite. Um, and also, this is kind of like a second or a point. Part. I think we kind of get to, we get to see them interact, which isn't with each other. Uh-huh. In a ways, and I think this is okay. This is probably gonna be dumb. One of my other favorite scenes is when they're all hiding in Sam's backyard. Uh huh. It's it's. I don't think it's supposed to be funny, but it is really funny. <laughs> I think it's really funny to hear Peter Cullen say, "Oops, my bad." Oh, it's it's definitely. Supposed it's to be so funny. funny. That, that sequence just, is supposed it's to be just, comedic. It's for sure. comedic. But so yeah, that whole section I feel like is like my one and two. Nice. Um, my third one. Is that jazz is in it, and I'm just excited. <laughs> Put him on the big screen. Um, for me, so I other things I've written down that I've already mentioned. Frenzy is the Decepticon MVP for sure for the movie for me. Most valued player. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to talk a little bit more about John Turturro. My human MVP. Uh, one of my favorite actors um, in the world. Um, he's famous for being in the, uh, the Big Lebowski. He's in, what else? Uh, he did a movie in the 90s called Brain Donors that probably most people don't know, but that's where not I... seen either of those films. Um, let's look him up. John Totoro. I'm just like totally blanking. John it. Totoro. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, man, he's so good. What else? Um, oh, he's in The oh, Batman. He. Yeah, he is. Because he, he's uh, Falcone. That's much more of a serious no, role for him. No, it's not Falcone. It's... Uh, Mar- Marconi? Maroni? I don't know. I always get the two, the two like, warring Italian families. Italian family names. number two. Mar- he's also in these kind it's of... It's Falcone and Maroni. That's what it is. I think... It, <laughs> Fal- I always call him Mark. I mean, from what I know, he's also in these really niche movies called uh, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Oh <laughs> uh, he's one of the three leads in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, no really yeah. oh my gosh that's john taturo t- no he's not the one who does it he's the one that they think gets turned into a toad. oh my gosh he's, i don't think the- i ever made that connection uh, i love that film yeah he's phenomenal in that he <laughs> has not had a great last few years if i'm being honest he was other than the toad. um <laughs> i did not know he was in adam sandler's the ridiculous six mm. that's rough mm. <laughs> um <laughs> man He's been in a lot. He's been in a lot. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm trying to find something that people might recognize him from. I guess he's a little more obscure than I realized. He's in... Oh, okay. Honestly, okay. I don't love Sandler films, but the earlier ones are decent, and he's in Mr. Deeds. He is 
Adam Sandler's butler in that movie. And honestly, it's a really, really funny performance. That's a sweet film. That's one of the rare good Sandler ones, I think. Mm. Um, it's a, oh, man. That's a hot take. Okay, I, I'll go down a long path. Look him up. You've almost certainly seen him in something. He is our like main agent guy. He's, he's, he's our lead agent from Sector 7. Which Simmons. is a group that's going after the Transformers. They're the and, ones who have Megatron on us. Yes, exactly. He's hysterical in this movie. Um, he just shows up with so much... Like, the movie up to this point, when he shows up and storms into uh, Shia LaBeouf's house, has just lacked something. Um, it's had a decent amount of personality, but... It's the chaos. <laughs> none, of the, none of the characters have really popped, but he shows up. It's not necessarily good, because like I said, it throws the movie's tone off, and he doesn't really belong in this movie, but it's gr- it's, it's a great singular comedic performance, I think. Uh, but also, I think a, an interesting, not necessarily character arc, because I don't know if he necessarily learns a lesson, because he's a big jerk for most of the movie. I don't think, I wouldn't say he learns how to be nice at the film, but I, I do like how he has a character turn. Once he sees Bumblebee like collapse down the the cube mm-hmm. into his hands he turns and they're like they're asking like can we get a message out like they're asking him if they, they can get a message out to the outside world and he's like do you see that like the whole thing doesn't whoop anything's possible like a great a great video i saw a few years ago talked about how a reason why force awakens works better than the prequels is because constantly in the star wars prequels um you have all these CGI environments. The characters aren't interacting or, or, or reacting to them. And in Force Awakens, the example they gave in the video, when the moment that Poe Dameron is taken onto the Star Destroyer when he's captured and he steps out of the ship and he's in this giant hangar, he reacts to how big the hangar is. You need humans to sell the CGI elements. Having Agent Simmons react to that incredible sequence because uh, the rest of the characters just move on. But his character is like saw one of the most amazing things any human could ever see and is changed by it. And that's a really interesting character beat that I'd never thought about before, but that really yeah, especially made me love that. his character. Um, and do you have anything to say any in regards to that? He's a hoot. I like that they did bring him back. In the sequels? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he has a fun, like, the way they keep bringing him he, back. He's always he's, in a different state. He gives the uncle you see twice a year but uh-huh. always has some deep illegal <laughs> lore about him he also gives the best line of probably the entire series at least the most ironic line in the next one where he goes beginning middle end condense it oh i didn't know what which <laughs> quote you're going to talk about i know what your favorite <laughs> like, one is one man <laughs> on a alone against no i was thinking of the of the other one i thought you're gonna make an ironic joke uh it's pretty good though yeah he's yeah i guess to wrap this all up in one i had, I had some oh other please please go go ahead go ahead. um so one thing i didn't understand in so this is when sam's dad is bu- driving him to buy a car and they drive past a porsche dealership and sam goes oh my gosh i'm getting a porsche and his dad goes laughs and goes you're not getting a porsche and i and i didn't notice that at the time and i don't know if people probably pointed it out on the forums before i was on the forums i mean we've talked about this before porsche because in g1 
in the original G1 show, Jazz is a Porsche. So when Porsche was approached for this film, Porsche said no, and they didn't want to be involved because um, the, I don't know, Porsche PR marketing was like, we don't want our vehicles involved with, um, with war. That's not the message we stand for, which is really kind of a funny joke that they just put that in there. just kind of like a drag at uh-huh. Porsche, but also um, is really funny because uh, if you don't understand the reference, uh, Google what Porsche did in World War II. <laughs> um, but so I, they turned their minds around for Rise of the Beasts when, you know, I think they saw that these films made money. Uh-huh. And because... I don't know how many people went out and bought um, yellow Camaros with black racing stripes after the first film. <laughs> Dude, there's so many. Oh my gosh, it's there's, wild. We see one with the with the little Autobot sticker yeah, on it. Yeah, in our town. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, people didn't go really buy the other vehicles, like a big old Peterbilt semi with flames. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> some of the more attainable vehicles. But yeah, so I thought that was kind of a funny joke. Um I feel like that's kind of all I had. Yeah, I was just going to wrap up my thoughts. I can I think I can unify all of this with there's a lot in this movie. There's a lot of storylines, a lot of different performances, conflicting ideologies. It's it's all kind of thrown together in this huge long movie of it's it's almost a celebration of American uh, uh excess. But I I have to have respect for how ambitious it is. Mm-hmm. You cannot knock this movie for its lack of ambition. For a movie that people thought wasn't going to make any money. Yeah, for a movie that, yeah, a lot of people probably thought you couldn't make in live action. No one wants to see movies about toys. <laughs> um, but just like, they, this movie is trying. I think in a lot, after this, the sequels are not really trying. They're, they're kind of just trying to replicate what this one did this was a series that taught me um movie studios don't know why people like their movies so they just kind of bring everything over from the first one that they at the very least they know people don't hate if someone hates a thing they won't bring it over or if an actor demands too much money but like for the most part they just like bring stuff over from the first one for no good reason and replicate it may primarily the weird thing that this people think people want in these movies is weird revisionist history now, that is why we love the sequels, but ironically, not on purpose. <laughs> um, I, I appreciate like the scope of this movie is wild. I, the intertwining of the storylines, the way they mostly come together at the end. Um, it's certainly not the best, but I, I would much rather watch this movie than Rise of the Beast, ultimately. Not necessarily because it's good, but because at least there's stuff happening. Um, it is a lot overwhelming, and some people find it boring. Um, I understand that, but for me, nostalgia mixed with just pure fascination. <laughs> Us, who rose-colored glasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So uh, I would also wanted to wrap up with some funny quotes from uh, from Rachel from during the uh while we were watching it last week oh because i talked a lot when we watched yes it was great um there's a bit where oh man okay i was hoping to actually pull up the audio i'm trying to find the movie online i thought i thought you meant the audio of me oh no (laughs) yeah i recorded us yeah our state is a uh is a single party recording state i don't need your permission to record (laughs) 
every episode we get closer to doxing where we live. <laughs> uh-huh. Just slowly giving out uh, little pieces of evidence. <laughs> it's like a game. If you uh, uh, if you guess where we live, if you're not our actual, <laughs> if you don't know us IRL. That is, if you don't know us IRL, and you figure out where we live, uh, you get a, you get a shout out, <laughs> and Athena will give you a little kiss on the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> we will ship her to you so she can give you a little kiss. First on class, that. she'll meet you at the airport. <laughs> um. Unfortunately, I don't think I will be able to find the movie is just not available on streaming in our country. And oh no, now they're gonna know what country we live in. Uh huh. Um, But (laughs) so one scene that was that you had a funny quote was uh... actually sorry, I only have one. I wrote down some things you said. So I thought what you said about the uh, the all spark was really really funny. Um, Sam, take the cube. <laughs> uh, the the best joke that you had was there's a part where they're, they've so in the movie they've just shut down all technology across the entire world, or just the U.S. Least, I feel like it's the U.S. Um, I don't, and so the only way they can get a communication out to the rest of the military is via these really old radios, and which still take still take electricity, right? Like. <laughs> Oh, they still have electricity. They just, all their communications are down. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, and they get the radios up and working, and they're like, we're live! And they go, do you have mics? And Agent Simmons is like, mics? And you just go, rebels and robots. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've never forgotten mics, but I did forget my headphones today. I'm using earbuds right now. I've but... my headphones multiple <laughs> times. If, if we don't podcast here, there's a 50-50 chance I'm going to bring them. <laughs> and I did one time forget a mic stand, and so I had oh. to, like, oh, balance like the, the microphone. the inner part. Yeah, yeah. I forgot the adapter. So lock. I have forgotten things for sure. And that, I thought that was a really <laughs> funny joke. I loved that. <laughs> it was, that was probably the one I was proudest of. Oh, because you'd gone to use the bathroom. Uh-huh. And I and um, just me and your wife, and we were still watching it, and that scene happened, and I ran over to a remote, paused it, and packed it up <laughs> so I could make that joke while you were present. That's so good. I love it. Okay. Well, we're ready to transition into our everyone's favorite segment of the show. Cameron, I have so it's been many two memes. weeks. It's been two weeks since we recorded last. So we've got a lot well, of And memes. the last time we only did three. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's me minute. But it's longer than a minute. They don't even mention Astro Second in this movie. What a crime. Uh, disgusting. But this <laughs> is not more accurate. This is the meme parsec. Hey, you, real quick. Real quick. I guess it kind of fits in the meme. What Where did got? the Autobots come from? Like, from space? <laughs> Where were they? Were they on Mars? Yeah. they. For those of you who haven't seen the movie, they just um, they spawn? crash land. It's like as, Fortnite. Like, they don't, no, they don't just crash land. They all like come in as meteorites they yeah. all physically their own bodies are like in these like meteorite shapes and, and they land on the earth so we have no nasa flipping out <laughs> hilarious um what memes you got oh, this week, Rachel? i have a lot actually a lot of them are, st- are transformers ones nice because i was trying to find one very specific image two weeks ago uh-huh and then i kept for and then i never ended up finding it but um this is very fitting considering we just watched the 2007 film 
That's it's a picture of Phil Swift. <laughs> Show you the power of flex tape. I tore this Autobot in half. As the scene from 2007. Poor Jazz. Oh, no. <laughs> Anyways. <coughs> Give me just a second here. I'm adding one to my folder before I forget it. Cameron. Um, okay. Let's see. My meme minute folder. What have I got? Um, oh, is this one worth? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to read this one in my head while, in a second. Um, wow, it's been a long time since I've added some of these. Dang. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. So this this is, this is was funny because a lot of people were pulling out a lot of uh, a lot of Spider-Verse memes because oh. of the new Spider-Verse. <laughs> so this is fr- uh, a scene from the original movie. Um, in the original film, Miles says to Peter B. Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. And Peter Parker interrupts him and goes... Don't you dare finish that sentence. Don't do it. I'm sick of it. Well, instead of saying, uh, with great power comes great responsibility, Miles says, there were 10,000 Jedi, and if Order 66 was 99% effective, dot, dot, dot. Don't you dare finish that sentence. Don't, don't, I'm sick of it. <laughs> this argument has so been so prevalent on the internet the last month or so. Um, I think it was pretty much after, it was partially fueled, I mean, by, by oh. both simultaneously having the Jedi game, a Jedi Survivor out, which is about Jedi who survived Order 66. And additionally, it was revealed that one of the villains, um, Balon Skull from the Ahsoka show, is also a Jedi who survived Order 66. Mm-hmm. There's been this raging debate. And I think we talked about it um, a few th- episodes get- ago. I feel like I heard that there was some, there were like hundreds of Inquisitors. Oh, wow. Like the, and like the galaxy is a big place. I know, but like, what I so I wrote out a, a very long tirade on our Facebook. <laughs> Do you want to skip this topic? Go to our Facebook if you want to hear my opinions. You heard Rachel's opinions on a, on this episode and a previous episode. I, on this episode, on, on this episode and a previous yeah. episode. Oh, and a. Pre- and <laughs> uh, I also post about it on our Facebook. Find find my comments about uh, or, Cameron runs I, a spicy Facebook. Uh, I want to get Rachel's live reaction to this. Uh, it's Anakin and Obi-Wan on Mustafar, except for it's been photoshopped to be Bobby Hill and Hank Hill. Bobby, charcoal grilling is evil. From my point of view, Pearl Payne is evil. See, I saw it upside down, and I just knew. I was like, that's the, Bobby Hill. The, the photoshop of Hank Hill's face onto Obi-Wan <laughs> is hysterical. <laughs> what do you got, Rach? Uh, this is from, uh, it's a, some screen caps from Transformers G1. And so it's, <laughs> <laughs> it is a, it's I love a it. picture of the, um, arc, uh, screen that, uh, the Transformers used uh-huh. to what we learned in, uh, prime target also watch soap operas and various TV and news and the screen. <laughs> The screen has the captcha I'm not a robot thing and the next image is what looks like Optimus Prime about to punch it. It's very funny. Yes. Uh, so good. Um, it's a screenshot of a tweet. We've exclusively learned that Uncle Owen Aunt Brew will appear in the upcoming Disney Plus show series Skeleton Crew. No. And a picture of them. No. Stop that. <laughs> Oh my god! No. 
And for if you, in case you hadn't caught on recently, there is an actual show coming out called Skeleton Crew, and the last time you see Uncle Owen and Peru in Star Wars is they are skeletons. Mm. <laughs> Sad. What um, obligatory, not a meme, but I found this photo. Have we talked about the? We've talked about it before. We haven't shown the photo evidence. Um, this is a photo you took uh, many a year ago. Uh, <laughs> I think we've talked about this. I, but have we shown but the, found have it. We shown the photo. We have not. We, we, I, we couldn't find the photo. <laughs> so if you've been listening to us before, you've talked about how um, a couple years ago we were in uh, Tel Aviv in Israel <laughs> and we we're driving back to the airport at what, like 10 p.m. at night? And we're sitting next to each other on the bus, and you like elbow me, and you go, "It's Optimus Prime," and I'm a little confused. And we turn our look out the window, and there's a life-size Optimus Prime statue. <laughs> and so we finally found the photos. Um, I've and, and it's right next to a dinosaur. I think it was a like probably a museum of some form. Yeah. This... But anyways, <laughs> anyways, it was just really funny. So there's a, obviously a lot of Grogu memes. On, especially on Facebook, um, and a lot of them are garbage. A lot of them use Grogu in the same way the minions it's have been, been used minionized. for the last ten years. It's awful, but this was an actual funny one, and it was great. A diamond in the rough. <laughs> Grogu burned Luke's academy and framed Ben Solo for it. Oh no! <laughs> this is a picture of him holding no. the cookies with the uh, the it's the it's Elmo. A, it's, a, it's mimicking the Elmo in the flames. <laughs> I love this. I think this is hysterical. <laughs> That's good. Take me away from my dad again, I'll tell you what. <laughs> so when I was trying to find this image, I was going through our text messages from like years ago of images. I have no context for this, but you made this and you sent it to me. And I have in this it's the format of the guy holding the dog and in the background is a sad looking cat. It you <laughs> <laughs> you made this and i don't know what the context is huh huh so it's that image uh it's the four set of images of the guy holding um this dog and the slow zoom huh. on the sad cat in the background i do not remember the context of that meme. and the guy holding the dog is captioned as me rachel and the dog is Soundwave, and the cat is captioned as scorpionock Man, I do not remember i have no idea what this context is from <laughs> i'm so confused I genuinely have no idea. I feel yeah, like I, I just got an idea. Because Soundwave is not very relevant in the movies, in the live action movies. Is it possible I put the wrong name, maybe? But, like, why would I put Scorponok? Oh, is it. Is this a War for Cybertron trilogy meme? Maybe. I don't. I mean, I really don't remember. Anyways, if we this, figure it out, we'll let you know. This very ambiguous picture <laughs> that I found that is so very specific, but also no context. <laughs> um, this is a meme that's a conversation between Captain Rex and uh, Kanan from Rebels. Mm. And Rex says, I never betrayed by Jedi. Kanan says, this is literally a picture of you trying to kill a Jedi. And it's a reference <laughs> to uh, the end of Clone Wars Season 7 when he does shoot at ahsoka not victory and death and then he said rex <laughs> says no that's a picture of me trying to kill a citizen big difference oh my god <laughs> which is a reference to in season seven uh after she stopped being a jedi mace windu pulls out that sick burn when he calls her a citizen and not a jedi i see a lot of people upset about that but like honestly she was <laughs> you, if 
if you were in active military and you just quit and then you try to come back you and get, tell or you get dishonorably discharged <laughs> Uh, you can't just come back and tell the people who are still in the war what to do. Yeah. Um, so this isn't a meme. It's just, it's just a... a Black story, this isn't a meme. It's just a screen cap from G1. It's just a fun freeze frame. (laughs) So good. It's just a screen cap. I think of probably one of the beginning episodes of Megatron bursting through a wall, but there's no movement. Yeah, there's no implied movement. He's just standing very still, but the wall, the uh, piece of the wall is still moving, implying it just kind of exploded. Um, This meme kind of makes an interesting point. Uh, I wanted to show this meme to get your perspective on this. We've kind of touched on this before. Um, Philosophical memes. It's the comic. It's not philosophical. It makes a good, interesting point about Transformers. Mm -hmm. Um, So you've got... It's the meme where you've got a very attractive man hitting on a woman. The woman is into it. And then you have like a very overweight, nerdy guy hitting on her. And she's like, hello, human resources. And the attractive guy is labeled as Transformers Prime. And the unattractive guy is Transformers 5. And they each are saying, Earth is Unicron. (laughs) Because both of them have that (laughs) twist that Earth is Unicron. No, that's good. That's correct. That is 1000% correct. I approve of that. So you, you would say they of... both did the same thing pretty much. They did. But like, is it possible that Prime did it better? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, that's Without fair. a doubt. Because Transformers 5 only sets it up. It doesn't actually do it. Without a doubt. Um, it just teases that for another sequel that never got made. Whereas I don't I don't know anything about Prime, Transformers Prime. Without so. a doubt. <laughs> so if Transformers Prime did it better, and also I think especially to a lot of Transformers fans, Transformers Prime is an attractive show and Transformers 5 is not attractive and you should call human resources on Michael Bay if he talks Never to you ever. Never heard it described like that before. <laughs> uh, yeah, lots of thought, lots of people like that one. Um. <laughs> I only caught part of it, but I'm already laughing. So, this is another, another Spider-Verse meme. Find a nickel for each Spider-Verse themed meme we had tonight enough two nickels. Uh, so this is an image one of the most famous images from the end of the first spider-verse film where it's kingpin kingpin running uh-huh. and um someone copied uh grimlock's head <laughs> from age of extinction um onto, onto are you kingpin. sure that's grimlock i grimlock's a t-rex isn't he well yeah that's his bipedal mode Oh, I forgot that you briefly see it. Yeah, and, and he's got his mace. He's got both of his maces, and he's running, and they photoshopped off his platform. It's just <laughs> this a very low effort just, meme. Hey! <laughs> it's funny. I don't know why I took offense like I made it, but... It would be... Do you know what I just thought about would be... Could be kind of fun if each week we each make a meme, but oh, we don't tell oh, so the good. other person which one it is. Mm. And then at the ending, you have to guess which one the other person made. Yeah. Because I would... Wait, how are we going to do that? We're going to know which one we made. Oh, just like the have other it in person. there randomly. Like, like if, I would have no idea. If you oh, didn't tell me, yes. I would not know if you had made that meme. And it would have been really <laughs> funny if I dissed it as low effort and you had made it. That would have been really funny. That's so fun. That's like a game. We should do that. Yes. Um, I think you get a kick out of this one. There's a visual one a for the most part. <laughs> You'll let you react. <laughs> Celebrity ruse. It's Admiral Akbar, but he's got a monocle and a top hat and a mustache. And instead of saying it's a trap, it says it's an elaborate ruse. Ah! I thought it was goofy and fun. I like the energy of this meme. 
Um, this is an ominous picture of Optimus Prime with his gun barrel pointed at the screen. And uh, it says... That wasn't very freedom of you. <laughs> it's just... It's, it's a good meme reaction when you're in a group chat. This one is very simple, but very goofy. And also the low effortness of it is good. It's a Photoshop oh image. Oh my And it just God. says, Noah and the Ark. Noah this is, is Noah from Rise of the Beast. And the Ark is the ship that the Transformers came to Earth on. And it's got all the animals. And like Noah's like poorly Photoshopped face onto like a really awful CGI. Anthony Ramos. Ramos. Uh, I just, I was one, I was very happy to find a Rise of the Beast. It actually says Noah and the Ark Rise of the Beast as if that's the movie. <laughs> I didn't catch that before. <laughs> I just want to give you a reaction to this one. <laughs> How to hide from Shockwave. <laughs> and a sh- a Shockwave saying, Where are the Autobots? And Bumblebee's just standing right in front of him. And it's it, there's like a circle around him and it's labeled Big Boo Blind Spot. <laughs> Because Shockwave has a very large, like not a large chest, but it comes out very far from his chest. Like his chest <laughs> juts out. <laughs> so he's got a boob blind spot. <laughs> Man, Rachel's dead. We killed her. I guess I'm... <laughs> Athena, can you uh, like AI generate her voice in the future as our I editor? I have seen her for the past 45 minutes. <laughs> That's cool. She did. <laughs> Did you look up? <laughs> well, yeah, because you moved her her, I did move her, her tree. A tree is that what it's called? Yeah, it's a cat tree. All right, this is a bit of a long one, <laughs> but uh, so we all know that spinning is a good trick. Oh gosh! But few of us know why. This is a reference to Anakin saying, "Let's try spinning. It's a good trick." And Phantom Menace. And then there's this diagram, and it says, "When an object in flight spins, it gains stabilization, much like a football or a top." And it's got photos of rifles and spiraling bullets and baseball or footballs this allows a pilot to fly a starfighter with greater pr- precision due to an angular momentum and not just the momentum but the woman momentum oh and the children momentum too <laughs> that's such Which a good build a up. Rep- yeah such so a good build i think the the not just the men but the women and children jokes have been unfunny for quite some time but this one got me <laughs> Um, I, got, I stole this from Instagram. <laughs> Who stole it from Twitter? <laughs> Jedi accountant. I see here Qui-Gon purchased one boy on Tatooine. <laughs> Wait, that can't be right. <laughs> yes. Um, do you have any more? I've got one last one. Okay, you want me to say, do you want to save it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> you saw a sneak peek of the you saw a sneak peek in this one. Okay. Because um, you went, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just... Oh, I can't say it. It says... Bra- I don't know why this is so funny to me. Okay. Breaking. Jason Sandola will... <laughs> Say it. Okay. Breaking. Jason Sindola will reportedly be an antagonist in the Ahsoka series. He will not do anything bad or evil. He's just antagonizing to look at. 
antagonizing to look at. Quite the way to describe him. Quite the way to describe him. Hmm. I feel like doesn't Jason, feel strong enough. I love Rebels. Jason Sandola is just proof that children are really hard to get right. In animation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this is a screenshot from TF Wiki. Um, I don't know what episode this is from. I'll have to find it so we can watch it. It's a picture of Soundwave. It looks to be a prom. Not sure why. <laughs> All the ladies love Soundwave. And that's what the caption is. Uh, <laughs> oh. Um, oh, so a couple weeks ago when we were talking about how um, I went and purchased uh, Star Wars figurines before mm-hmm. your rehearsal dinner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and we talked about how overpriced Grogu was. Here it is. Here's the $30 quarter-sized Grogu. It's just how empty that packaging is. Oh, man. That's a, yeah, that's oof. much empty. Um, oh, gosh, Cameron, I have so many. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm actually. I'm actually not that sorry. Um, this, <laughs> <laughs> this is that. Uh, so you just had the one. Okay, I'll save. Oh, I've got I'll, one I'll go more. It. So I'll, okay. I'll wait. Okay. Save it for the end. Um, this is the Mr. Incredible meme where he's smiling, and then the the next one is like overexposed, black and white. Uh huh. <laughs> me finding the speeder bike on Jetta. Me learning why I need the speeder bike on Jetta, which is a uh, Jedi survivor meme, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> which happens right after spoilers. Uh, Bode betrays you because you chase him down on a speeder bike chase. That's where you see in the trailer where he throws the stormtrooper. Ah, I see. Anyways, um, I just thought you would enjoy this. I actually need to send this to your wife because this is her favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> it's so low effort. This is one of those low effort memes. You wouldn't be able to know if we made it or not. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's a uh, just like this cutout image of a Battlefront Two Grievous. It's just this pain, agony, even. Um, this is a very popular meme format. I, you, you won't read it. Decepticons. Decepticons so, committed war crimes. We we did what we had to do to stop them. In that sense, you guys also committed war crimes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a very. <laughs> <laughs> they gave using a toy. They of gave Optimus Prime Optimus... In, in alt mode form. In his truck mode he's got eyebrows it's like it's the two coverings above the window and you can angle That's them so funny um, it's definitely easier visually um oh, it's really funny though uh, <laughs> just imagine a truck but it somehow has eyebrows over its windshield mm-hmm. uh bit of a mixed mixed franchise <laughs> me <laughs> oh man oh i haven't seen this meme format in a long time this makes me very happy it's godzilla and uh, big monkey King, King Kong, Kong. <laughs> King Kong uh, fighting and they're labeled Autobots and Decepticons and then they're being chased away by Doge with a, a bat and it says Unicron <laughs> um, okay I got I got three more um, somewhat this is from the Star Wars Rebels uh, uh, subreddit thread and someone mm. was driving through Malibu and came across this road and it's called Canaan Doom Road. Oh my god. Which is an, which is a mix of Kane and Jarrus and Caleb Doom. Wow. The what name. a crazy coincidence. Apparently, according to the comments, this is not the first time some like they've just there's been street names that are very similar. Yeah. Um Okay. So I got two more. Uh, <laughs> so this is a picture of uh, the boss from Monsters Inc. I can't remember his name, the spider guy. Mr. What's-His-Face is the Spider-Man. Waternoose. Yes, which Mr. Waternoose. 
And you know it's that end. It's the end of the movie where he goes, I'll, I'll let a thousand children die before I see this coming. And, every, and it says, I'll watch a thousand last nights before I watch The Flash. <laughs> okay. I only have one more left. Okay. Go for it. Uh, this, is the, uh, this is some screen caps from uh, Rise of Skywalker. And it's General Hux after he's been shot because he's, he's like, I'm the spy discount agent callus but you know (laughs) (laughs) and so it's it's the seed where he goes i don't care if the empire wins or i don't care if the the resistance wins you know i just want kylo ren to lose you know that um (laughs) i don't care if transformers wins i just need the flash to lose (laughs) very good very good. Flashlander on 50% of this podcast. Yeah, we. I try not to go too off topic with this podcast, but if I allowed <laughs> Rachel to go off about Ezra Miller and The Flash, it would be an entire episode. I'm just saying, this, this, I can't, I, they're, they're relatable. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron, they're on topic. It is interesting. Very interesting. Okay, this is my, my final. I've got a video here for you that the audio is just hilarious. Oh, I might also have a TikTok. My name is Calvin Kestis, and I'm here to make the Jedi Order great again. Them Sis and Imperials are trying to take away our laser swords. It's my Force-given right to have as many blaster guns as I want. The Force runs in my veins, brother. I got kicked out of Space Walmart last week for yelling at the dang old droids that got in there. Some taking all our jobs. I'm a Jedi Knight, brother, through and through. Hashtag not my emperor. They ought to make pod racing an Olympic sport. They got them dang old Sith Lords now. I'll tell you what, brother. Just a bunch of abominations, if you ask me. We don't like their kind around here. Force shall rise again. My name is Cal <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, my So the, the, the root joke here is that you can put a, a like, mullet. mohawk, a mullet mohawk thing and a long mustache on Cal Kestis, a giant survivor, oh, and he man. looks like he grew up in Florida. And so someone took that concept and ran with it. And I don't know if this audio is original to this exact video, but it's animated in Lego form. And man, check out our social media. You'll be able to we'll post the link. You can watch the whole video. This is incredible. This is an incredible piece of writing here. To take all of the conservative Southern cliches and mix it with a Jedi's perspective is hysterical. It's so darn funny. Taking all our dang laser swords. <laughs> but there's like there's a uh, implied clankas joke in there <laughs> with a hard R, <laughs> laser swords and <laughs> the abomination. That joke runs rampant throughout uh-huh. every, every everything. Um, it's just too good. Um, I love that video. So that's my final video for the week. That's all I got. My TikTok's not very good. So okay. <laughs> well, um. As always, thank you to Caleb Jacoby for our intro and outro music. Props to Rachel for our artwork and our Twitter account. Props to Cameron for being spicy on the Facebook page and <laughs> run and editing all of this. I gave that job up, remember? Oh, shit. I, don't I forgot. A- a- Athena does it, yeah. If Where's our editor? You're supposed to be taking notes. Where are you? We just used a swear in a video. you got to censor it. <laughs> She's asleep behind the couch. <laughs> behind the chair. Um, so... This is the part where I normally say uh, our sign off and then I'll say a funny joke and it goes off into the outro music that is inspired. The outro music is inspired by the ending it of this is. film that we talked about today, Transformers 2007, 
where it uh, Megatron, not, gosh dang it, Optimus Prime gives his final speech and then it cuts to uh, Lincoln Park's What I've Done. So in honor of that, Can you, we, that is going to be our sign off for this week. Uh, this is Cameron and Rachel starting off saying... <laughs> I have witnessed your capacity for courage, and though our podcast and your world are worlds apart, don't put words in my mouth. Like us, there's more to you, the fans, than meets the eye. We are Rachel and Cameron, saying we send this message to any surviving listeners taking refuge among the internet. We are here. We are waiting. Good night, everyone. How long did you have that one up your sleeve for? <laughs> I knew when we watched the movie, I knew we were going to, I was going to do that, but I didn't know exactly how I would, I, that, I kind of improv that, <laughs> which um, listeners, this is going to be after uh, the show actually ends. This, this is, is our after credit scene of like Marvel. I cut out an intro where I made fun of Rachel for not doing a good improvisation. Karen doesn't know improvising. <laughs> I- I think I know good improvising when I hear it. So it it's fitting that we also t- end tonight's recording with me also not being able to improvise. <laughs> Again, good night, everyone. Okay. Thanks for listening.